0: So I just I actually I'll start it like this. I wasn't gonna do this, but you know, A. A. Allen used to start his his messages with this scripture I'm about to say, and 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 the reality is that we should always be in this posture where God is about to speak to us. But it goes like this. It's out of Acts chapter one, and it says in verse three, it says, "To whom he also presented." He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he said, "Talking." It's Luke just opening the book of Acts up and he says to him to whom he also presented himself alive after all, after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God I become obsessed with that one scripture Because I I really want to know, God, Jesus, while you were in human form for 40 days, what were you saying on the earth? And we're going to touch one of those things tonight. I'm just going to, because really, Jesus came in that time, 40 days. He spoke about things concerning the kingdom, but there was infallible proofs that he was there. And we hear in, in between the gospels, we hear of eight occasions where he comes and he reveals himself to disciples, to Mary's, come on, he, re, he, d, he reveals himself in all different ways, and we're going to touch on one of those tonight, and I believe that the Lord wants us to just posture ourselves to encounter him once again. How many, knows that, how many know that when we encounter him, something's going to change on the inside? When you see Jesus, when you come in a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, he wants he wants to do something internally in you, and he wants to re- uh, reallocate things in your life so that you are ready and posture to release the kingdom all around you. And so I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 24, and it's a familiar passage, and I read this, I've preached from this passage before, but I just feel like there's, there's something that the Lord wants to reveal to us tonight in regards to Our understanding of who he is. Can I say to you this? That every time, during those eight times, I think it was eight, that he appeared to someone, they didn't know who he was. (laughs) Every time. It wasn't just like one or two times, it was every time. That tells me something that happens within our human nature is that we don't really understand what God looks like when he really shows up. And I want to take us out of the context of, of a, a 20th century mindset. I want to bring us back to Jewish tradition to realize that, we, that when we perceive things from the Bible even, we're perceiving them from here and not there. And so I'm just going to read through this, this passage. It's Starting in verse 13, let me get my act together here, and let's just get ready for God to do something powerful, because I believe that he has brand new things he wants to do in you next year and exiting 2020, and we're just going to get postured for that. So it said this in verse 13, it said, Now behold, two of them were traveling traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together. They talked together of of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained. Underline that, you're allowed to underline in your Bible, so that they did not know him. Where are you guys? Luke 24, verse 13. What did I say? Oh, God. Sorry, guys. See, now I know that no one knows their Bible. Sorry. Sorry, that's my bad. Everyone's like wondering what the... Want me to start again? Good night. Okay. But their eyes were restrained. Go ahead, underline that. That's verse 16, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you, that you have with one another as you, as you walk and are sad? And then the one, whose name was Cleophas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Oh, come on, Jehovah sneaky. So they said to him, these things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed and in word, before all the people, and, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since this thing has happened. yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, astonishing us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. A certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Underline that. But him they did not see. And then he said, Oh foolish ones and slow of heart. I think you should underline that too. To believe in all that the prophets have spoken, Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And he began, and beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Underline things concerning himself. Come on, no one's underlining nothing. You're all on your mobile devices. So then they drew near to the village. And where they were going They drew near to the village, sorry. Where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone farther. The, actually the word is he acted as if. But they constrained him, saying abide with us. And for it was for it was evening, And the day was spent, and he went on to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, and he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were open, and they knew him. It would be good to underline that. And he vanished from their sight, from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us, while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were, who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them, in the breaking of bread and now as they said these things jesus himself jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them peace to you i just want to talk to you a little bit about recognizing jesus and i i love the fact that actually in two occasions when he first appears, it says that Jesus himself appears. And then when he came back and reappeared, it says Jesus himself reappeared. So I want us to get in this a perspective of, of what God wants to do, and I want to give you a little historical background. We know that, that Cleophas was his uncle, and the other person that's not talked about is Mary. And because of historical reasons, because of uh, patriarchal uh, different uh, mindsets they don't mention the women and I want all the women to just give a big shout now that's like two people come on women uh, you, your voices should be heard I'm telling you there's something about uh, just what God wants to do in this hour and I think honestly that the women have a lot more understanding than the men do I just personally and, and oh come on guys I like going get you after this but I'm telling you, there's a discernment that are, that's coming onto the to the brides of Christ, the handmaidens of Jesus. That, that we're, the men is are not discerning. That's why we need one another. Hello, somebody. That's why we need one another. And so I I just want you to see. So it was Uncle Cleo and Aunt Mary. I'm just I'm being honest, because we look at this and we think, oh, it's just two people walking down the road, because we have no historical context, and we have no, uh, no context for what the story looks like, and it's actually his, his family members, it's Uncle Cleo, who know him, and they should know him, and as he returns and he shows up resurrected Christ, he's not dis- they don't discern who he is. And there's this other thing that, that, again, 2,000 years pushed forward, we think that everyone, you know, why didn't they understand? He spoke of, of, of all these things, and wh- why wouldn't they see him? I, 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 they're not discerning. No, they're not discerning of hearts, and all of us are, ended, end up in this place where we don't discern things in our things, many things in our hearts. You know, God wants to, us to have a discerning heart in all things. By the way, he did an amazing job. Singing tonight and last week, and I meant to tell you, don't ever be, don't ever hold back. Seriously, I know I'm embarrassing you, but that's okay. You know, there, there's really, there's really, listen, all the girls across the back, if I think of it, right, when they step into this place where God's shines beam down on them, the Holy Spirit's on them, and they're singing, not because they learned the lines, but because the anointing's on them. Yeah. Come on, it breaks things open. I feel like the last two weeks, Abby broke things open with her voice. Boom, just broke it open, right? Not that you don't. Come on, and I know, <laughs> right? So the, the, the Spirit of God is wanting to use us in incredible ways. Open your mouth. No, don't st- don't confess. I know that's a rabbit trail that I just should shoot, but... I don't want it right yet. I feel like God's speaking to the church, and that's why we're going to set ourselves apart so we can hear the voice of God. Listen, there's no reason why you should hold back from what God's speaking to you. There's no reason why we need to shrink back from what God is saying. There's no, come on, God's looking for people of faith that are confident in what God's doing this hour, and we need to step into the confidence of what he's doing right now so we can just declare the glory of God on the earth. And things will shift and change and move because atmospheres begin to change in the presence of God when we declare His glory and we we focus on Him and we forget about ourselves. The whole thing is forget about yourself. The whole thing is forget about yourself. Right? Forget about yourself. If we all forget about ourselves and just focus on Him, something powerful is about to happen that will bring us into a new, new place with Him. But... So I just want you to, again, go back, and bring you back. The challenge is with this mindset that we have to understand that the Holy Spirit, he wants us to have the right perception. Everyone in the room say perception. There's a a fresh perspective perception that God wants us to have as the people of God to receive fresh from him. And so I look at this thing where he, he keeps with, it says in Acts 1-3, seen by them during the 40 days and speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom. This is what Jesus came to do at that time, right? And, and he showed up those eight times, but we need to make room for what actually was happening in the moment. Like he was resurrected. But they were thinking of the resurrection at the end of the age. Come on, in a Jewish mindset, they're thinking there's a resurrection at the end of the age. I'm not expecting, you know, my nephew Jesus to show up now. <laughs> we think that when he said he's the resurrection and the life that they got it. Well, we don't even get it. Come on! I'm not talking down to you. I'm just helping us to think tonight. Because even with, you know, this temple will be destroyed in three days. I mean, he had all kinds of parabolic and and, and metaphoric language for speaking about his death and resurrection in three days. But they didn't get it. And so we think that Uncle Cleo's because he was, you know, eating. I was going to say pasta. Eating <laughs> eating, you know, matzo balls with with. With him, he th- we think that he's going to understand and know that, that his nephew's about to just... Re- no, he doesn't even perceive who he really is because his, his next words are a prophet who in word and in deed... <sighs> you understanding me? So I just want to make room for some things. So we, we need to make room so that, when we, that we look at a few things in our human condition I'm going to go for my notes tonight because my notes are good and I want you to get this. The the human condition has things that the psychological thought patterns that keep us from opening up to God. I'm going to get real tonight and we're going to move some things out of the way cuz God wants to move some things. Let me look at you and I'm going to say you are predictable. I'm smiling. I'm predictable. I tend to misfire when I'm too predictable, though. That's just not everyone in the room. That's me. Some of you love your patterns. Some of you love your routines, your regiments. You can't get outside the, you can't color outside the lines. And we're predictable. (laughs) And we're comfortable in our predictability. Oh, come on. Look at your neighbor, really. Don't look at me. (laughs) <laughs> we are comfortable in our predictability. Why? Because we just get, like, you get in a pattern, you get in a routine, and don't mess with my stuff. You know, don't mess with my, my flow. Don't get in my business, because when that happens, you set me out of rhythm. I can tell you right now, because most people, and I know some people are, have assigned seating in this room, but others, <laughs> you, you just, your butt it has an imprint on the chair. It happens all the time. It happens all the time with us, right? So how do we break, we break routines of, un, of predictability by not being unpredictable and out of control, but by allowing the Lord to remove some filters so that we can move creatively? Because creativity was always, 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 He is the creator. It was always God's plan to release creativity through us and not to be afraid of going outside the box. No, because we can't stay in the box, guys. We, it, 2021, we're not staying in the box. We have to get outside the box. We have to break the box, throw the box away. <laughs> and I mean, it's we're going to have corporate worship, but let's let's think outside the box. Let's think what's going to expand the kingdom outside of what we normally do on a On just a corporate meeting on a a Sunday Because it shouldn't all just be about the Sunday meeting Hello Right? I know we do We focus on the Sunday stuff or the whatever Whatever, a midweek or whatever It it can be anything, Bible study We just do it all the same way Nothing's ever fresh and new And God wants to rip that stuff So our behavior indicates that we like control Come on, I'm getting at some stuff, okay? Uh, but I love you, really. I love everyone in this room, and I want us to go to a higher place. God wants to break control. We like what we like because we can control it. I've been praying into the Brownsville thing because I've been watching videos. I'm just like, you know, I'm like, man, it got really out of control there. And and it's funny because Pastor Kilpatrick said on the night I remember, I just keep going over this because I'm thinking. You know, I don't think like this necessarily. If God shows up and blows up, I'm good with it. But, you know, an an assembly of God pastor, I I love the assemblies, I came out of the assemblies, but he was just waiting to go for lunch. It was Father's Day. And he's like, can he just finish up? Oh, he's not going to lay hands on everybody in here. And Steve Hill's like, yes, I am. And so I want us to just say, if God comes to interrupt things, Allow him to interrupt. What happens is when God comes to interrupt, we, we, we want to no put the glue back, glue it all together so that he, he can't do what he wants to do. And he'll be like, okay, fine. I'll wait until your eyes open up and you see that I'm really here. Because you're not discerning that I'm in the room right now or you're not discerning that never mind in the room here in your life doing something right now that really feels uncomfortable because God's trying to get in the box. So familiarity and predictability help us to stay in control. And I know who Jesus is, and he wants to be in control. And he's not a control freak. He's the king. He's the one that wants everything and all part, every part of you, and he's not trying to put you up. But I just want you to, to look at this word control for a minute because I, really, really, we can all struggle with it. Like, if I see things getting out of, like, whack that I think I'm not control, you know, wait, whoa, whoa. It's pretty hard for me. Like, I'll let it go. (laughs) I'll let it go probably past. But I just want you to see, so control. Psychologists call it to be in a stuck state. I'm going to get a little heady tonight, but we need it. You don't want, how many want to be in a stuck state? No, Jesus, help me. Get out of stuck states. I don't want to be in a stuck state. God wants to pull you out of the place where you're stuck. And then sociologists speaking into leaders would say this, that we call it the comfort zone. Like, we don't like things to change. Once we've got a good thing and a good model, we don't want to change from it because it's working. Take a look at the church. Not here necessarily, but other places where you know, you got the smoke machine and the big screens and the skinny jeans. I don't have my skinny jeans on today. But you understand what I'm saying. It's working to put people in seats. And, it, and it's working to entertain people. And we don't want entertainment. We want God. Amen. And so God wants to come in. And right now, right now, we're sitting in America right now. And God's taking a poosh, And he's bashing that stuff because that's not going to work right now. Because people are, are afraid to come to church. And they're not piling in, you know, like the cattle. And so God wants to change some things. and We need to be prepared for what God wants to change it into. Right? Because we, it's been prophesied, oh, God wants to change what the church looks like. And we always do the same thing. Even in revival, even in our glory circles, we all do the same thing. We don't change it up much. Yeah, we're open to the wild and the crazy wonders and, you know, I love healing and all that stuff. Lisa, here again. No, just kidding. But the reality is God wants to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And he wants us to get our minds out of it. Okay? So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm speaking tonight to the unconscious thinking inside of us. What am I talking about, unconscious thing? I'm talking about the things that have filtered into your life that come from the way you grew up, that come from patterns you're used to, come from daily routine. It's a filter. It's a filter. Everyone say it's a filter. Listen, here's, here's, how, here's how I see it. It was interesting. I was doing a project this week because I'm doing a new... Uh, we're developing a new, new T-shirt, right? So, so it's, it's on the scratch table, but... I, I received an image, I traced it. I used carbon paper to put it on another piece of paper after I traced it. How many think it looked exactly like the other image? No. And so I went back and I had to tweak it and do some things, and, and still, I got it at the end, I'm like, it doesn't even look like what I started with. I was trying to change it so it didn't look exact, but the certain patterns when you, tr- when you translate things and you have Layers upon layers upon layers upon layers, it changes what it looks like. You understand what I'm talking I'm talking about our filters, how we see things, how we perceive things. Listen, every one of you grew up in an environment, and you honestly, I'm telling you, it, unless you get completely free, you see through that filter. Are you with me? All right. And God wants us, listen, there's there's healthy things in that filter. There's broken things in that filter. There's all kinds of different ways that we see and perceive things through that filter. And God wants to change the filter so that it looks like him. So what we perceive is the real Jesus. And how do we have a God encounter? We, we, we go through these things and we begin to see the Lord. Like, And I'm not, listen, I'm not projecting things on you, but I want us to take a good reality look at what we actually look through and what the view is of how we see things because God wants to change the way we see. Okay, so there's deep, there's deep mental models of how God works and how he, he works in our world and how, he, how, he, how we look at him. I'm saying this because we have a perception of Jesus, we have a perception of the world that we, we live in, and it comes from how we perceive everything. Am I losing you? All right, good. So things that are unconsciously in our minds, this is why what Bobby brought last week was perfect, because it was all about renewing the mind, right? So here we go. God comes in. He wants to renew our minds. He wants to take the filters and he wants to unmask the things that are bringing us. And we don't have the real image of Jesus. We have some type of image that kind of looks like Jesus and it's almost the real thing, but it, there's, there's tweaks, there's things, there's things in his personality and in his character that we put on him that, we, that he really doesn't have. Oh, come on. That was good. There's, there's things that we project on Christ, on the Holy Spirit, on the Trinity, on the triune God that is not him. We perceive it because we grew up in a way. And we don't trust people and we don't trust certain things. We, like there's, there's all these things that keep us from the real Jesus. And God wants the, the true Christ to be reflected not only in you, but then through you. Because how do we become the image of Christ? We see him correctly. We see him rightly. We see him for who he is. We see the the king of glory in all all of who he is. And we don't put it through some weird filter that we've concocted because of our psycho... No, our psychological, the way we see things, right? So you project a world on him that he doesn't live in. And he's trying to break that, okay? So remember that there's that, there's that thing that that's, we've heard being said that perception is reality. Have you heard that before? I can't drink that like that. <laughs> and it's partially true, okay? But our perceptions become our projections. That's why I feel like what I traced, right, doing this week, and it, and it was a perfect image for me because... I'm trying to actually do the Lion of Judah (laughs) with the lion and the lamb, which is Jesus. But the reality is I didn't get it quite right, so I had to go back and adjust it. And so God wants to do something. So we perceive what we see, but our perception should not be ruled by our past experiences. Even in the kingdom, right? I love it. When we get a mode for healing, we want to put that on everything. We do it. We get, a, we get a, a, a formula, and we want to put that on as a teaching, which it might work. It may work again like that, but God's saying, no, can you just move everything out of the way so I can really speak, so that I can really do what I need to do? We think we know how to perform miracles, and God's saying, no, can you get out of the way so I can do them, and just allow me to do it? So, so there's, I feel like the Lord has gave me this scripture, Ephesians 5, verse 14, And it says, therefore, he says, awake you you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give light. Right? He wants to illuminate those things. And then he says, then see that you walk circumspectly. Then see that you walk perceiving the the world around you. Right? And not as fools, but as wise. I'm sorry. Didn't he say, back in one of these verses, he said, and he said to them, oh, foolish ones. Soul of heart. They should have known it was Jesus right there. How many times had Jesus said in the past, oh, you foolish ones? I mean, it's like one of those sayings where you know someone and just by one of the one-liners that they say, you know it's them. Like they could write it down and you could be, identify who this is. And Jesus would be known by, oh, foolish ones, why are you so dull in heart? And so it says this, that redeeming the, He says this, In Ephesians, again, he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We want to redeem the time now. God wants to change how we perceive things. So if, if we... Ready? If you want to learn what you haven't learned and see what you haven't seen, then you must unlearn what you've learned and unsee what you've seen. You can get that one later. One more time. If you want to learn what you haven't learned and see what you haven't seen, you have to unlearn what you've learned and unsee what you haven't seen. <laughs> Dan's looking at me like, that one hurt. <laughs> I'm telling you, God is wanting to do something inside of us so that we unlearn what we've learned all these two years. There's so many things. Listen, there's so many good things you've learned I'm not negating any of that, but I am saying there's certain things that we have learned that we need to unlearn. Listen, there was, when I left Bible college, I had to unlearn some theology. I'm just being honest. I had to unlearn some things so that I could have a broader view of what God was doing next, right? And so there's, there's classic things. So Aunt Mary and Uncle Cleo had perception issues, <laughs> right? They weren't perceiving well. And so, perceiving Jesus, we need to be in sync and have a common view of what who he really is. And I went over; I was just this is, you know, there's, there's views of the resurrection like they didn't have a, they didn't have a grid, because in Jewish tradition they were expecting him at the end of the age to be you know resurrected with everyone else, because they didn't perceive him to be king. They said, well, we had hoped that he would have set the world free. We would have hoped that he would have came and brought the kingdom of God. But So we must have a kingdom mindset that will set us free from our perceptions that block our vision of who Jesus is here and now. It's like the kingdom, ready? The kingdom is here now, but it's not yet. That gives us this mindset like, okay, the kingdom's far out, right? The fullness of the kingdom is is out at the end of the age. But I'm telling you, God says the kingdom is here now, right? And so there there was a a psychological effect that was in their minds. Another one, what was that? They witnessed Jesus getting beaten to a pulp, unrecognizable, and left for dead. I'm telling you, Aunt Mary was there (laughs) with Mary Magdalene and Mary his mother. Lots of Marys. It's almost like an Italian family. (laughs) (sighs) But they had this imprint of a disfigured Jesus. And I say that to just get us swayed towards we see the perfect one, we see the glorious one, we see the one who has no flaws. We see the one who has, he looks at us and he looks at us in complete beauty. He looks at us and he's excited that we're there. He wants us to come closer. He wants to call us to the table. He wants us to be in, his, in, in union with him like we've never understood or known before. I'm telling you, we don't have to have this perception that Jesus is trying to push us away or we're being rejected or something of that nature is happening. No, Jesus is calling you to the table. All right, so I'll I'll stop at the psychology path here, and I'm just going to go on to just a couple of things because I know during this seven-mile journey, we see that Jesus just began to explain all the things of the kingdom. Like he just began to preach from Genesis, listen, the word of God, bringing the word from Genesis to Malachi. And he begins to explain, and there, there's all kinds of, of metaphors and prophetic uh, clues as to Jesus being resurrected on the third day. I think there's like 40, I think I, I counted like 45, 46, that, that specifically deal with his resurrection. In the Old Testament, that most couldn't even understand or know. Right? So then it it says that he went on this mile. He was they were going where? They were going to Emmaus. And I'm just gonna talk about Emmaus for a minute because Emmaus was the place it was a it was actually called the hot spring. Huh, everyone go, ah come on. <laughs> you think about a hot spring, I just wanna go have a hot tub, you know? It's like it's a place where it's comfort and a place it's like warm and you, you know, you get you get really relaxed. And, and that's the place where they were headed. And then, it, then metaphorically, I would just look at, at it as meaning that it's a place of earnest desire. And the place of earnest desire is the place of fire. And I want you to understand that God, that Jesus himself was walking these two. He appeared to them, Jesus himself. <laughs> that's what the Bible said. Jesus himself. I love that. It, it, it's... it's it's, it's just a perception about Jesus being himself, who he was. And he came to them, and he's walking them down this road. It's a seven-mile road. It's a, it, there's, a, there's a journey that we have to take with him, and he wants to bring us to a place where we begin to understand and we all the things that we've previously perceived him as, it goes. And so that place of earnest desire, and when I, I think of earnest desire, it's, it's Desire is the fuel of love. Come on, let me talk to some married people out there. We'll start with them. When you desired your wife or your husband, come on, there was that place where desire fuels love. Come on, we don't have to get weird. Everyone's looking at the ground. I'm talking about passion. I'm talking about where we sit with the, with the father. I'm talking about how God wants to bring us into a journey with him. And that becomes we chase, we go after, we're looking for him. Desire brings the fire of love. It bursts it a fire inside of you that you cannot be denied. So the burning heart will open us up to the things that God's about to do, that Jesus is about to do in and through you. And God wants us to be in this place of passionate desire. You can't work it up. I'm telling you, God wants to instill it in you, even tonight. He wants to release this thing to you. Listen, there's there's a place of, of earnest desire. And listen, it's not a place of comfort, but there is an ah to it. Come on, you should be able to just rest in it. Like, ah. That's what I thought of when I thought about the hot spring. I'm thinking, that's a place I want to just go chill, especially on a cold, raw night. I just want to go there and hang out in the hot springs. And God's calling us to this place. So what he does is he, he brought them to this place that, that's burning, and it burns us he the the journey is to that burning place where you arrive there, you begin to understand and i and I want to tell you that until he opens the scripture, we can't understand who he is, and God wants to open up scripture to us because the burning one he wants us to see and understand that and isaiah seven hundred years before this right i just i'm I'm just fast forwarding into a a little side note because i I feel like isaiah we have this this scripture that was released, and it says that he opened the book in isaiah 61 and he closed the book and all eyes were fixed on him and then he looks up and he says the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing and so i'm just saying they begin to hear the word of god they begin to listen scripture is so important right now don't get don't get caught up with all kinds of weird you need you need the word of god you need, you need to be undivided, and you need to, the Holy Spirit needs to speak to you through the scripture, but I'm telling you, until he opens the word, the books are closed. It's the truth. And so he said this, he said that today, this scripture is fulfilled. Why do I say that? Because Jesus shows up on the scene, they don't know who he is, he's, He's one of the good Jewish kids, and he's, he's about to just, you know, he hands him the scroll. And he opens it to Isaiah 21, and he begins to declare, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the, the good news. He, he has called me to heal the brokenhearted. He's called me to set the captive free. All those things, he calls us to that place where we live out of the fire of heaven and move in the fullness of who he is. And, and Jesus himself began to declare this, and he prophesied it prophesied it to the ages to come. And so he began to explain himself and it says that to his family members and it says that they didn't know him. They didn't know him. I love this passage because there's this whole dissertation and conversation and Jesus acts as if he's going to keep moving on and they don't, Good, good Jewish family sun's down they're inviting him in for dinner but he doesn't leave at dinner they stay he's invited to stay because why? because it's dark because the day's over. You're not going to go travel anymore. Where are you going to go? You might as well just stay with us. It says that, that they, did, they wanted them to, to come. and say, It said that they said, abide with us. And God wants you to abide with him in this hour. And so he indicated that he was going to keep going, but they constrained him. But the plea was clear. Abide with us. Desire keeps us positioned to receive more and anticipate that thing that he's about to do. And then we come to verse 30. It says, Now it came to pass that he sat at the table with them, and he, bro- he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And let me just stop here. We read that, and we've heard it before. You've heard it through the Gospels. You've heard it over and over and over. And then you're like, why don't they perceive? Why don't they understand? Why don't they know who he is? But he is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the one who will counsel us. But I want you to see a few things right here. And, th- and I'm going to bring it in for a landing. So maybe you'll help me on the, on the keys for a sec. Jesus is our wonderful counselor, and I want you to see that on this journey, he began to open the scripture, and then he opened their minds, and then he opened their hearts, and then he opened their will, and then he opened their eyes. We think that our eyes are open first. And I'm telling you, God has got a different process for it. I'm telling you, read it right through. It says that he opened their mind. He opened the scripture to them. He opened their minds. He opened their heart. He opened their will. And then he opened their eyes. And then he vanishes from their sight. But I want you to perceive something, because there's, there's, you know, there was something that I think Jesus was trying to do, and I felt like the Lord was opening this up to me, and maybe I don't even have the fullness of it, but in 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, it says therefore, because Jesus was trying to get them to understand something, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 17 says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know, we know Him thus no longer. Do you get it, two people? I feel like what the Lord was trying to do in that moment was giving us a picture. In even the rest of these eight um, encounters of Jesus in the Scripture, He comes. He reveals himself and he disappears. Why? Because we no longer know him by the flesh. We know him by the spirit. Oh, come on, that's a powerful truth right there, and the Lord wants us to understand this why? Because we're so we are so conditioned. I don't feel him. No, he's there. I don't know what he's doing. No, he's there. And I don't mean to be facetious, but I really feel like God's saying, listen, we need to come to a point where we realize, listen, he doesn't want us to know him by the flesh. Do we want Jesus to walk in resurrection body right now? Yes, I'll take it. But the reality is he wants us to know by the spirit what he's doing and when he's doing it. And there's powerful things that the Lord wants to open up to us in this hour. He returned to the place where he shows up. He finally reveals himself because it's a place of earnest desire. Am I pumping you to just get a little more hungry? Yeah, maybe. But earnest desire is that thing that fuels your love for Jesus. And some of you maybe have lost a place where you, you you don't feel like I'm I'm kinda out. I don't feel like I don't feel like I have earnest desire. And that's the part I feel like God's trying to open up tonight. That He wants to open up the earnest desire inside of us. Because if we read the rest of, of the story, right, they begin to go and they begin to they it was nighttime and what I just told you was Jewish tradition. They should just they should have just walked in for the night. But no, Jesus disappears. So now they're like, whoa, we're not staying here. The Bible says that they go back to Jerusalem. Right then, they leave. They pack, they leave. They took matzah and left. (laughs) But they went back to Jerusalem. And they were in the upper room. I'm telling you, they were in the upper room probably. Because they were all hiding out. What is going on? all kinds of ruckus, all kinds of sightings, all kinds of Jesus sightings, and they're all together in one place, and and Uncle Cleo and Aunt Mary show up, and they begin to explain their story. They said, he was just with us, and he blew us up with the table. Let me tell you what happens when the master comes to the table. He was invited in, but when it came to the table, they knew who he was because he calls every one of us back to the table where he just begins to break the bread of life open to us and he begins to open things to us that we didn't understand or we didn't know but he's always calling us in so that boom, he can reveal himself. See, why? It goes back to communion. When we we receive communion, it's to say, God, do it again. God, will you show up again? It's really the manifestation of Jesus in our midst. It's the reality of that. No, we've lost it in Pentecostal charismatic tradition, but I know this, that God's going to bring it back in some reality, and it's not about just the communion table, but it's about us gathering together. Listen, they go, they begin to tell the story of who showed up at the dinner table. And as they're explaining the story, guess who shows up? Jesus himself come on somebody that is here's the deal as we're receiving things right they received from the Lord and they went to their friend they went to the brethren and they begin to encourage them and say listen we saw him I promise you we saw him he was at the table with us and he went and he disappeared but he reappears Jesus himself where did he go where did he come from I want to explain a powerful truth to all of us right now. That when Jesus disappeared, he just disappeared from their sight. And when he reappeared, he walked in the room with them. But he just made himself manifest at that moment. And then he says, peace be with you. And then the rest of the story is even more powerful. Maybe that's part two. I won't promise anything. But the reality is God's wanting us to grab this that he's coming into our place and he's calling us to be oracles in this hour. Everyone say oracles. Why am I saying because the oration it's when we speak what God's done, when we testify to his goodness. Not worrying about the things that have happened and all the listen. If we have a list of all the bad things that could happen tomorrow, we've got a big list. But I'm telling you, they start testifying about the goodness and what he did and how he revealed himself and that he's alive and he's not dead and he's awake and he's awakened me in my spirit and that that God brought him back from the dead and we don't have to worry because this is what's about to happen and he shows up and then what does he call them to? He says, this is what you're going to do. You're going to wait here and you're going to pray. And I'm going to really show up. The one, after I ascend, the one that you really need is coming. And so he was, in a sense, weaning them off of his physical person. I feel like there's a few things that God wants to do tonight. I think there's an invitation to the entire community, right? That God wants to do something beyond what we ever understand and know. But we want to encounter him. Just Jesus himself we want to encounter. I just want to encounter him himself. I don't don't want to encounter a manifestation. I don't want someone pushing me over so I have some manifestation. I don't want to act some weird way so that I can, you know, display Jesus, what does Jesus look like and I'm not saying any of that doesn't happen but I am saying this that the Holy Spirit wants to come and he wants to come in a fresh way that you encounter him in completeness and in fullness and what we need to do tonight, ready is to divorce a few things (laughs) divorce familiar perceptions of who he is I want to divorce myself from the ways I've seen him in, in different ways. No, you can keep your wife. Just, you're going to divorce ways you've, you've thought of Jesus in the past. So that you can walk in the fullness of who he is, right? And then I want to, I want to just say, if anyone in this room tonight feels stuck, because I don't want anyone ever feeling stuck, but That's a psychological thing that I just said. I, sometimes we feel stuck, like we can't get out of the place that we're in. And God wants to break us out into that, out of that and into the new. Because just go back to 2 Corinthians for a second. It says, right, even though we have not known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer, right? We don't know him that way anymore. It says, but therefore anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And we like that verse. But God wants to do it here. He wants to renew your mind once again, and He wants to move. Ready? I believe He's going to pull filters tonight. That's the picture I got. God pulling filters of the way we perceive Jesus because we have a broken broken perception of how we see the Father. We have a broken perception of how we see relationships. We have a broken perception of of how he actually would even come because of religion. So it all doesn't have to be daddy wounds or family wounds. It can be religious things that just keep us back from what God looks like in the fullness. So stand, come on, let's just stand together. And I'm going to have you repeat after me one second. Ready? Just reach your hands up to, to the Lord and I want to just declare this these these five things that I just declared earlier God wants to open scripture to you so you're going to ask the Lord open the scriptures say it out loud yeah open my mind and open my heart and open my will and Lord Jesus I thank you you're opening my eyes so, there's so much that he wants to do inside of you, but he wants to break open those, those few areas because it, it gives us a fresh look at Jesus himself. How many want Jesus to be himself in church? Oh my gosh. Like, what would Jesus himself look like in church? it would help if we could open our minds, open our hearts, open our will, open our eyes. God wants us to open, the opening of all these things, I'm telling you, it holds back what God's about to do. So come on, just put your hands up in the air, just begin to worship, just begin to pray in the Spirit, would you? Just begin to pray in the, in the Holy Spirit, Father. Lord, I thank you right now, your opening minds. Lord, I thank you, your opening will. I thank you, your opening hearts, Father, right now. earnest desire, earnest desire in our hearts, God. And that earnest desire releases open open eyes so we can see you for who you are. So Lord, I thank you that you, as we earnestly push in, as we earnestly desire, as we earnestly ask for the fire of heaven to come. And Come on, I just want you to respond. If you if you need prayer, listen, if you're in a place that you're stuck, come forward for prayer. If you're in a place that you need, you're asking, God, I need fire for the fresh, earnest desire in my heart, I'm coming forth. I just don't hesitate. Just do it and allow the Holy Spirit to, to do the work. Ready? I'm going to come by and pray quick, but I just feel like allow the Spirit of God to come. And just as as we move towards him, listen, he wants to open the table for us so that we just receive. We just receive something brand new. You were never created to be stuck. Never. You were created to live in a place of freedom and creativity and prophetic flow and earnest desire. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We earnestly desire. Thank you for the flow of heaven. We Thank you our eyes are open right now. Lord, let your Holy Spirit come and touch us, Father. Come on, just pray in the Spirit, really. Just pray, pray, pray allow the Holy Spirit. Lord we thank you. Lord I just pray over this entire place Father right now. This entire community God even as we as we step into a fast Father over the next 21 days God we just ask Holy Spirit that you just begin to break open things. Lord that we begin to see things in a fresh new way. God we thank you for the fire of your presence fullness of your glory, God. Oh, have your way. Have your way, have your way. Come on, just pray, pray in the Holy Ghost. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. It's good for you. Just pray in the Holy Spirit.